You're listening to Rowan Radio On Demand. Download more podcasts at rowanradio.com. The following program does not represent the views or opinions of the staff or administration of Rowan University or Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Career Talk, a monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. And now, here's your host, the Assistant Director of the Office of Career Advancement, Ruben Britt. Welcome to Career Talk. I'm your host, Ruben Britt. Author John Holmes once said, there is no exercise better than the, the heart than reaching down and lifting people up. My guest today reflects that quote because he continues to reach down and lift people up. Joining us today is basketball legend and former NBA champion, motivational speaker, and community affairs activist, Wally Jones. Wally. Good morning, Mr. Britt. How are you today? I'm doing great. Can you tell our listeners about your career journey in the NBA? Well, uh, after um, graduating from Villanova University, uh, I was a third-round pick, and I was fortunate enough to have Earl Lloyd, the first African-American to play in the NBA. He drafted me to the Detroit Pistons. Then I was traded to the Baltimore Bullets, where I was fortunate to play with some greats like Walt Bellamy, Bailey Howe, Gus Johnson. I even played uh, Mr. Britt with my high school teammate, Wayne Hightower. Wayne Hightower. That's a blast in the past. Yeah, we even had Kevin Lagre, who was... Um, later on became coach of the Miami Heat when I worked for the Miami Heat. But that's when my start was in Baltimore. And I was named to the NBA All-Rookie Team. Then I was traded for, to Philadelphia for John Kerr. I uh, played with the 76ers for six years. And I was forced to play with four Hall of Famers. Al Greer, Will Chamberlain, Billy Cunningham, Chet Walker, and another great Luke Jackson. I was fortunate to play on a team that was named the NBA's greatest team for the first 35 years. We were 68 68 and 13, Mr. Britt. 68 and 13. And then as my journey continued, I went to the Milwaukee Bucks with Kareem and Oscar, Bobby Danders, John McLaughlin, Lucius Allen, some great players for the Milwaukee Bucks. And then I went to, let me see, oh, I actually went to the ABA. And uh, if if your listeners are paying attention to some of these great centers, I mentioned Walt Bellamy. They may not even know how great he was. Right. All-American from Indiana, gold medal winner. And, and uh, a Hall of Famer, too. Hall of Famer. That's right. That's right. And so uh, when I went to Utah, I played with a high school ball player, a great center, Moses Malone. Wow. Right out of high school. I was 33 years old, and I was actually retired working with Concerned Athletes in Action, which I established in Philly and uh, Virginia. And I went to uh, the Utah Stars. I was very fortunate to play in the ABA. Great player to play against. Uh, of course, everybody's heard of Dr. J, George Gerben. I mean, some great players in the ABA. Great league, uh, Ruben. Great league. And then I was um, came back, and I was actually retired. And the Sixers called me. No, uh, I'm I'm skipping. King Scott 
uh, first African-American coach of the year for the Detroit Pistons, brought me to the Detroit Pistons. And then after the Detroit Pistons, I was picked up by the 76ers and uh, that was 1976, Ruben, and I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you the great staff were there. George McGinnis. Wow. Doug, Doug Collins. Kobe Bryant's father, Jelly Bean. And then I played with another great high school ball player out of high school, Daryl Chocolate Thunder Dawkins. Wow. I've named already five, five of the great centers. I'll back up a little because when I did, when uh, Coach Ray Scott picked me up for the Detroit Pistons, I played with another great center, Bob Lanier. And for our listeners that know basketball, when you have some of the top centers to play, you're able to play defense and extend yourself a long way because you have somebody to back you up. Right, that's right. So, I, I, yeah, I was fortunate, Ruben, to play with. And that's the top centers. I, I, I mentioned Kareem, Walt Bellamy, Will Chamberlain, Bob Lanier, Moses Malone, Daryl Dawkins. So I was fortunate, Ruben, and my career ended in 76 with the 76ers where I had an opportunity to play with those ball players that I named uh, Doug Collins, Doug Gidden, Harry, Harvey Ketchings, uh, World Be Free. I, I, I got to re- mention these names because I'm going back a ways, Ruben. A lot of these listeners probably don't know of some of these great players, but Freddie Carter, Mad Dog Freddie Carter, I was on that team that I played with Doug Collins' guard. So I had a tremendous career, the opportunity to play not only in the NBA, but also the ABA. Well, you know, in, uh, I'll tell you a story. In 1967, which is the year you dethroned the Celtics, and you were, uh, before Andrew Tony, you were, you were the Boston Strangler. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I attended a basketball camp in Massachusetts. Uh, that was, uh, it was Alex Hannum, um, basketball oh. camp. And that's when I, I met, I met, um, Earl Lloyd and Billy Cunningham there. Um, so, um, you know, I, I remember, you know, um, Alex Hannum talking about how great your team was and, and the fact that, the reason why you all were were um, named the greatest uh, team of all time during the NBA's 35th anniversary is you dethroned the, the Celtics, who uh, were perennial champions and who you all beat in five games. And that's right. Uh, and it's historical. They they won it eight years in a row, Ruben. Eight that's right. years. That's right. Now you talked about uh, playing with all these great players, uh, and of course. The, the, the greatest, uh, many people will say, is Will Chamber. What was it like being a teammate of uh, of Wilt? Well, I have to go back because um, I'm from West Philadelphia, and uh, he helped recruit one of the top players out of high school, Walt Hazard, who was the number one player in 64 for UCLA. They were 30-0. and They won the NCAA championship. But what Wilt did with us when he came to our high school games uh, him and guys like Johnny Samples that played for the New York Jets that uh, beat the Colts for the NFL championship. Johnny Samples, they were ball players in our community that were football players, basketball players, and they encouraged us to be scholar athletes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what helped me out a great deal because when I, in high school, we were 84 and 4, we're four Hall of, All Americans in high school on, on my team, but I graduated in February, to show you to go back, and I went to Temple Prep School. So I played with some of the top players that graduated in February. 
that's when uh, student athletes came to school in mid midpoint of school and they graduated in February. So that helped me a lot with uh, going to prep school. But Will uh, was a renaissance man, a very intelligent man. He would tell us stories about going to Kansas. And at that time, uh, African-Americans were uh, not allowed to go in certain places, even in Kansas. And he had his own radio show. He was a high jumper, uh, track, shot put. I, I would call him one of the one of the greatest all-around athletes that ever played in any sport. Right. Um, people are not aware of the Philadelphia Tribune, which is the oldest African-American newspaper. Um, they actually called the post office because they wanted to have a stamp in the name of uh, Will Chamberlain. And at the luncheon, uh, many greats were there. Um, that played in professional sports came to that luncheon and they asked me to speak on what he meant to me. Well, in our community, he would always motivate all of us to be scholar athletes, but they allowed us to play and saw our game. They came to our games. But at the luncheon, at the luncheon, Ruben, I actually said, uh, it's not only the Lakers stamp and the Sixers stamp, but they didn't realize that he was a globetrotter. That's right. And people knew Will all over the world before he even got in the NBA. <laughs> so uh, I mentioned that in Renaissance, very, uh, when I talk about intelligentsia academician, a bright man, very intelligent, knew the monetary systems in all the European countries, one of the first entrepreneurs that um, uh, he owned apartments out in LA. He did a lot with volleyball he did a lot with the community and people are not aware of his foundation where he's been actually providing scholarships for kids for years out of Philadelphia associated with the 76ers so a lot of people are not aware how philosophical he was well that's why I wanted to wanted you to share uh, uh, with our listeners uh, what what was all about because I had heard he had did a lot of things that you had mentioned and it, and I'm glad that you shared that with our listeners. Now, one of the things that we see a lot uh, with, with regards to former athletes uh, is coming up with a plan B in terms of uh, how to adjust to life after professional sports. Now, what did you do after your career ended um, in the NBA? Well, I went back to school at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. Uh, I went to Norfolk State for child psychology. My ministry is youth, and all. even when I played in every team I played on, we had youth programs, uh, something that's happening, unfortunately, in our society is this sense of killing. So even when I played for the Sixers uh, during my years, we had 48 hours to save the children in reference to stopping the gang violence. And then when I played for the Milwaukee Bucks, I had the Oscars, the Kareems, the Luches, John McLaughlin's for 48 hours to save the children. And, and when I did, going back to school, I actually went and worked for the federal government, Department of Education, the Center for Education Development out of San Antonio. And I covered a 10-state region where we toured classroom management and teaching techniques. And then through the federal government, we started to have all-star training all over the, in those 10 states. All-star training is this. It's an activity leadership laboratory, mm-hmm. students training around responsibility. 
And what we did, we would take students away on weekend retreats and have them team them up and have them go back to their schools and change the environment. Now, during the times in the Indian reservations uh, and all the other schools that we went to in different ethnic groups in those 10 states, was trying to get kids off of uh, uh, glue, sniffing, glue, paint, uh, drugs, alcohol. And we were preventative program by creating All-Stars. And that's something that I'm going to be doing next year in Philadelphia, a 10-month plan to really uh, train young and elementary and middle school because we can't get to these young men that are sensibly killing each other because they don't come to our clinics and workshops. But now I have a plan with the Sixers okay. to come in and do a positive peer leadership training in Philadelphia next year. Right. Now, sp- speaking of that, you've been involved in, in several programs that focus on empowering youth and women, um, including the National Shoot for the Stars program. And I, I had mentioned at the top of the show that you um, that you are a person who has reached down and, and lifted up people. Can you tell us a little bit about some of these programs? Well, it started in 1969. We recall we had a meeting in D.C. to see what African-American athletes could do all over the country. And I'll name some people. Nate Bowman from the Knicks and Bobby Hunter from the Globetide and started Each One Teach One mm-hmm. in uh, New York. And then when I went back to Philadelphia, we started the African-American Athletes in Action. But to be inclusive, we changed it to Concern Athletes in Action. Because I had people like Billy Cunningham. I had guys from the Eagles, Phillies that were Caucasians. And we wanted to be inclusive. So we started that. And then it turns to the Shoot for the Stars Institute. I gained a lot from the federal government. So I started my own training institute, not my. Uh, there are partners with me that are uh, the educators, principals, coaches, teachers, and former players that played in the Baker League because I utilize those great players in the Baker League to go in the community and uh, talk to gangs in early 1669. So that started in 69. Until this day, which I'll be leaving tomorrow to go to Philadelphia, we're putting on the Legends of the City of Brotherly Love come out for the past three years to the grassroots community center direct to put on clinics, but we also do reading and academic action planning. And with that in mind, uh, we're getting more corporate people in the Sixers involved to do the training. But when I heard about what you do about careers for about three years, I uh, have a show called Sports Inside and Out with Chuck Hatcher and formerly Sam Jones of the Boston Celtics who passed away. We would travel all over the country to speak in assemblies and then the army would come on and talk about careers, exploration. And uh, uh, to our listeners, they were recruiting. But you can get $40,000 to get a college career in the Army. That's right. So uh, I did something that was familiar, something similar, should I say, to what you do, and talk about career exploration. Try to explain to these kids that they could pick a, 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 an, an occupation that they could do in the Army and go to college. That's right. And a lot of my friends, people don't know that JoJo White from the Ball Celtics was a Marine. That's right. Lenny Wilkins, Sam Jones was in the Army. I can name uh, uh, a plethora of ball players that have been involved in armed services that were 
that started their careers there, where some of them actually had to go. Bill Melchioni, who went to Villanova with the, during our championship year, he had to go into the Army. So he actually missed the playoffs <laughs> because he had to go into the Army to serve our country. Right. I remember um, Jojo White uh, being in the Marines because uh, I also had the opportunity to play, uh, play with Jojo in the summer of 72 in the summer pro league up in Boston. So I, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, man, Ruben. Yeah. I, man, you got to tell me about that. Yeah, in <laughs> Boston. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I remember him starting the season late with the Celtics because he had, uh, uh, he was in the military. So, but, but yes. I'm glad that you share that. Now, one of the topics that you address in your clinics, which was, which really stands out, is you talk about refusal skills. Can you tell our listeners about that? What if Well, I, I learned a lot of my training with the Human Development Positive Leadership Training, training for six years all around the 10 states, uh, teaching exercises that deal with uh, refusal skills, conflict resolution, uh, decision-making, problem-solving. So a lot of the training and exercise that I learned from the federal government, uh, I'll back up a little because when I worked for the federal government department of education, I sent Billy Cunningham, who was my former teammate, and Louis Chappelle with the Miami Heat. The second year of the Miami Heat, they hired me as the community relations director. And what I was fortunate to be able to do was go to schools and start all-star training and academic action training, which included refusal skills, conflict resolution, uh, decision-making. So I was fortunate to be able to utilize my skills that I learned from the Center for Education Development San Antonio Federal Government to bring to the Miami Heat. Hmm. And through that program in 1990, uh, the we had the All-Star Game there. We used to play the Legends game, Ruben, uh, before the All-Star Game. And uh, David Stern at the time actually saw the program that I ran for the Heat that was called Stay in School and Reading is Fundamental. And what the NBA did, they adopted our program out of the Miami Heat. They adopted the Stay in School program, and they changed it to Read to Achieve. And so, um, I was again, I was fortunate because I had my teammates to allow me to create and bring to the public school system of Miami Actually, uh, not only Miami, but Homestead, Boca Raton, Fort Lauderdale. So it wasn't just the area. And what we included that Billy Cunningham allowed me to do was roving basketball clinics with the police department. So when I went out in the community, I went police officers from the Dade Police Department in Miami. There are two different police departments there. And I would take those police officers in the community, and they would provide clinics all over South Florida. So I, I was fortunate to have that. And that furthered my career to go in the Caribbean and do books and basketball with FedEx. That's a Karan Buckley, uh, Rachel Butler, uh, Tim Hardaway. I took some of the greatest players that played for the Heat to extend our educational component to the Caribbean, uh, Jamaica, Bahamas, Aruba, Barbados, Trinidad. So I'm very fortunate, Ruben, to work for the Miami Heat. You're listening to Career Talk. We're joined today by basketball legend, former NBA champion, motivational speaker, community affairs activist, Wally Jones. We're going to hear more from Wally in just a few minutes. 
Welcome back to Career Talk. We're here today with former uh, basketball legend, former NBA champion, and motivational speaker, and community affairs activist, Wally Jones. Now, I got to add this to my introduction to you, Wally, is in 1972, you wrote a book entitled Black Champions Challenge American Sports. Can you tell us about it? Uh, one of the things that I, I was supposed to do, Jim Washington, my teammate of Villanova and with the Sixers, we did research on African-American athletes uh, that in the 1800s. And I, we put the book out in 72. I went to the books. And I'm going to be quite frank with you when I say this. I, I, I was fortunate to be a principal of the Heat Academy at uh, Dunbar Elementary, uh, which is the African-American in Overtown. Little River, which is Haitian American, uh, Riverside Elementary, which is in uh, Little Havana. So we had a combination of different ethnic groups that I had 100 students that I worked with from three to six. Okay. And I utilized my books, but I also utilized a great ball player friend of mine who's a great author, is Kareem Abdul Jabbar. And people are not aware that a lot of these athletes, like Chet Walker, Archie Clark, Ray Scott, they have their authors. Well, my book included what was doing in the 1800s about the boxers, fences, jockeys that never got recognition. Mm -hmm. But also in the beginning of each chapter, Reuben was unfortunate of how soldiers and people were lynched. And it goes back to reconstruction of what's been happening in our society. And unfortunately, what's happening in our society now when I talk about lack of proper education for our young people to give them hope, to give them, uh, 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 should I say, exposure to careers, uh, the educational system. But my, my, I should say my book, uh, McKay Publishers, was Jim Washington and I, we did research. And all we did at each chapter back to all the way up to the 1800s and talked about some of the greatest athletes in all sports and what it was like when it was for Jackie Robinson. Larry Doby. People are not even aware that they had a black, black hockey team in Canada. That's right. Uh, back, they don't even know. I mean, that's why I tell kids, educate. It's not, we shall overcome a Black Lives Matter or, or don't give up. The word that I use is educate. The three words, educate, educate. If you don't expose, if you don't know where you came from, and where you're going. And uh, uh, the book, uh, it didn't sell. It was controversial. I had it on a display at one of the games, and I had it out in Milwaukee. And they, unfortunately, during the times when most of the, prof most of the professional athletes had graduated from college, Ruben, so we were educated. And we read. I'm talking about Solon Ice, uh, Richard Wright, uh, James Baldwin. We were readers. And uh, a lot of us changed our names. My name is uh, Walter Madison Jones. My father's 106 years old. And I told my dad, when Walt had to the same, he changed his name to my, my Abdul Rahman. We changed our names, Kareem, Jamal Wilkes, Jabali Armstrong. A lot of African-American athletes that became aware of where we came from, we changed our names. Okay. And in changing our names, a lot of us, uh, when I worked doing summers with uh, Maurice Lucas from Marquette, I got a lot of the college players to do clinics all over the Midwest. Uh, I was threatened that they only allow one Muslim in 
uh, Milwaukee. People are not aware that, unfortunately, uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was associated with a Muslim group. They assassinated uh, the families that had a compound in Washington, D.C. People don't know the history about what happened to us when a lot of us as African-Americans changed our names. We were ostracized. And in Philadelphia, they had to get me out of Philadelphia because I talked about the police brutality with uh, Rizzo, who became the mayor, and what they did to the Panthers, having them and their officers uh, unclothed, naked, and he was out there with his leather jacket and gun on these African-American men naked. So people not aware of what happened in our society about police brutality when I was growing up, because we had that when we were uh, in Philadelphia. It was a terrible situation. And uh, I like to bring that up because in our society today, we know what's been happening all over about police brutality. But it was no different when we were growing up. Matter of fact, it was harder. Because I'll never forget when I was 15, Ruben, I went to see my brother Greensboro. I was 15 years old, and that's when I first experienced a white fountain and a color fountain, where you had to sit up in the balcony. So my brother played with Al Adels. This is Al Adels, is a uh, Hall of Famer, San Francisco, Philadelphia uh, warrior. He also was a coach of one of the two blacks that coach in the NBA. And for our listeners, we were the first time when we played the Boston Celtics that they put on the court 10 African-Americans. Boston had five and we had five. So the people that are listening should be aware of uh, history because uh, unfortunately history is repeating itself. You're right. Uh, It's funny because I was telling, uh, talking to a friend of mine, I said, if you put on um, Marvin Gaye's song, Inner City Blues, all the stuff yes. he talks about is like still happening. It's still happening. It's so unfortunate. I'm I'm kind of like the gifted. I'm 81, and I had my father, um, the emancipation, the sentence of the emancipation came to interview him at 106, and he talked about they were there to talk about reparation, and he was there to talk about what it was like for him. He went to the same high school, Overbrook High School. My father was a semi-pro baseball player, played in the Negro Leagues and Barnstorm, he said when he was playing in high school, they weren't allowed to play. And he said what happened to him, they weren't allowed to even go across Market Street in Philadelphia when he grew up. He talked about the, the horse carriages with ice, milk. He knows all the presidents. His mind is still sharp. Uh, I'll be seeing him Thursday. His mind is sharp, so they interviewed him. Matter of fact, Billy Cunningham's daughter, who's a journalist, came and interviewed him twice this year. I was fortunate to be at one of the interviews at his apartment. He lives by himself. Uh, his mind is very sharp. When I say lives by himself, he has a lady to come clean his place, but he does his own laundry, and he keeps Salvation Army home. Uh, where he lives is not a home; it's apartments for senior citizens. In other words, it's not a it's not one of those rehab centers <laughs> for our elders. But he he lives independently. Wow. Now, yeah. Uh, what plans or programs do you have uh, planned in in the future? Well, uh, this week we're again uh, partnered up with the Police Athletic League. We have an African-American police chief, a woman that came from, I think she came from Portland, Miss Outlaw. 
And what we did, we teamed up with the Police Athletic League to do PAL clinics. So for the past three years, we've been doing roving clinics called Silence of Violence. Uh, Billy Cunningham and all Melchione and a lot of other ballplayers have come to our our clinics to talk to the students. And we plan on changing the format to actually go into the community and do actual peer leadership training where we could train kids in those skills, academics, uh, refusal skills, conflict resolution, actually do a peer leadership training. So we plan that on uh, this weekend. And then uh, January the 7th, I'll be back in Philadelphia with the Police Athletic League at Waterview in Germantown. And then on July 21st, they're going to unveil a mural and a mural in West Philly. Now, I told the people from the art museums, uh, I wanted to make sure we had children on it, but I didn't want to have it for me. I wanted it as a fundraiser for that community because we had a lot of killings there. I, I, I hate to mention that my nephew, who's not involved with gangs or drugs, was killed two years ago. Uh, my nephew last month, who's not involved with drugs or alcohol or gangs, were shot in the leg. These are drive-bys or people that killed. So um, I'm going back because I, I hope we can make a difference, Ruben, that uh, if not um, uh, me, who, if not now, when, if not here, where? Well, that's my home. But um, as you well know, where you live or wherever you live, even now live here in Florida, we have the same things happening. Wow. The same senseless killing. It's a whole generation of African-American young men killing each other. So the white supremacists are very happy. They don't have to lynch or drag us out or like reconstructing what they did to African-Americans in history. We are doing it to ourselves. And I'm trying to make a difference by training the younger ages so they don't get involved. I'm talking about elementary, middle school kids because I can't reach the kids that have these guns because they out there senseless. They're just out out there. Right. And so, you, you uh, definitely... You know, definitely making a, a difference, and 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 I know there are people that definitely appreciate you you giving back to the community. Well, I, I want people to realize we are the Shufa Stars Institute. Um, we're a training institute, human development. ShufaStarsLegends dot org. Um, I was going to ask you the our, re- website. Yeah, uh, ShufaStarsLegends dot org. Uh, one of the other things I'm doing with sports inside and out. Legends.com. I do interviews with legends, but we're doing, we're raising funds and uh, I'll, I'll make sure you have a, you do have the fire. Yes, I do. I want people, it is a form of fundraising and it's donations to, to help us go into the inner city grassroots and train. I'm not talking about no basketball clinic because my basketball clinic for three hours and uh, all we do, I shouldn't say all we do, we do reading academic action planning besides the film of the basketball. But now I, I wanted to extend it to include the human development, positive peer leadership training. Instead of coming for three hours, I, I want to come in there on a weekend and train not only the students, but their parents Thank you. and the police districts in that area. We have, cause these parents, a lot of them are very young. They're kids having kids. Right. Uh, so they're young parents that need training as well as the students. Thank you, Wally. And now the career tip of the day, developing networking skills. 
always keep copies of your resume and networking cards on hand. You never know who you're going to meet and where. Remember that every word counts no matter where you are. So choose your words wisely because recruiters listen to everything that you say. You've been listening to Career Talk. I'm your host, Ruben Britton. I'd like to thank my guest today, basketball legend, former NBA champion, motivational speaker, community activist, author, Wally Jones, for being on the show. Until next time. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Until next time, stay positive. And remember, success does not come to you. You go to it. You've been listening to Career Talk, a monthly program featuring information on career and academic planning, sponsored by the Rowan University Office of Career Advancement. Tune in on the first Saturday of every month at 9 a.m. for another edition of Career Talk, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.